Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. I was watching a little Netflix last night. I saw a comedian that, I don't know, I guess I went to the kitchen at some point in time and I come back and Netflix is telling me, hey, you may like this show. His name's Bert Kreischer. And what's disturbing about him is his shtick is he takes off his shirt the moment he gets on stage. He's wearing a nice shirt, and it comes off. Really? Pretty funny pretty funny stuff, though. And again, that's why I like Netflix, and it's, that's why it's dominating right now. And it's doing it on a global, worldwide level. Um, I don't know why. Netflix said I would like an aging... Overweight, pasty, Caucasian who takes off his shirt and does his set topless. And then trust me, you can't stop looking at his belly. I don't know if that's genius. I don't know if it's... I don't know what it is. But um, pretty funny stuff, in my opinion. So Warren Buffett is turned... He's getting older. August 30th is his birthday. And August 30th, 2018, he turned... 88. And he's the Babe Ruth of investing. He is the Michael Jordan of investing. He is the Tiger Woods at his peak of investing. To this day, there's a lot of things that we can learn from him. He is not a simple person, but he has very simple tastes. He approaches life in an aw shucks kind of way. He doesn't live in New York City, he doesn't live in Los Angeles lives in the middle of the country. He has an internal scorecard on all things investing. Um, He's starting to slow down. Seeing him on his 88th birthday, he's getting a little bit more of that old man voice. Words getting a little Jimmy Stewart. What's funny about that is I don't know if that's actually a Jimmy Stewart impression. You darn tootin'. Who is the woman uh, on Golden Pond? Sounds a little bit like her. Just throw that out there. Catherine Hepburn sounds like Jimmy Stewart. Anyway, I love Warren Buffett because he has perspective. I operate best in life when I have perspective. When life gets chaotic, I get stressed. And when I get stressed, I get anxious. When I get anxious, it's a problem for me. This man has lived through two world wars and other traumatic military uh, conflicts like Vietnam and Korea. He's lived through the Depression. He's done a dozen or so recessions, financial panics, oil shocks, flu epidemics, uh, resignation of disgraced President Nixon, Nagasaki, Hiroshima. In his life, the Dow has risen from 66 to 26,000. From 66 to 26,000. He's the guy who may have failed tests, but... You know, 
he's a pretty smart guy. I, I think he's a little more eloquent as he's aged. He's made mistakes. He didn't get part, much of the 1990s go, go, up, 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 up. Yet he sits as one of the richest men in the world as an investor. I was thinking to myself yesterday, Tim Cook is one of the richest men in the world, as he, not as a founder of a company, as an executive. I get billionaire founders, but executives who are worth a billion, a little bit, a little, little bit tougher to find. So I think he's human. I love Warren Buffett because he's very human. He fears nuclear war. He doesn't want to die. His hero was his daddy. He's got the classic line, rule one, never lose money. Rule two, never forget rule one. The guy eats like a sailor. I know you're saying, how exactly do sailors eat? I don't know. He's put his ego aside in life. I mean, he has outsourced his charitable decision-making to Bill and Melinda Gates. Which, could you imagine being worth billions and you go... Hey, Bill, Melinda, you make the decision on how it's going to be dispersed. That's pretty cool. I don't have that ability. I don't have that generosity. I don't have that big of a heart. Modern man has no heart. I truly, truly, truly believe that. And here he is, a modern man who has a heart. Putting his ego aside, I couldn't imagine letting someone take over my fortune and distribute it. I mean, tomorrow Bill Gates could say, you know, I've decided I'm... I'm going to put all my foundation money into, I don't know, let's say Crohn's disease. I don't even know what Crohn's disease is. Please, please, people, don't write me emails telling me what Crohn's disease is. You've got me. Um, I like some of his quotes, and I have a list of Warren Buffett's quotes. If anyone wants a copy of a list of Warren Buffett quotes, I think he's the greatest investor of all time. I think he could forward them to your son or daughter's. And just say, hey, take a look at this at lunch today. Um, and I think you'll be impressed. So I've got a really lovely little PDF that I can send out to you. Just drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. It's rob at robblackshow. Or rob at robblack.com. Um, so he had a, a, an idea. He said, you only have to do a very few things right in your life so long as you don't do too many things wrong. Love it. Get in the market. Don't try to be smarter than the market is kind of how I read that. Um, And I agree. I think a lot of people rush to mistakes. Uh, One of the best investments I made, I forgot about. I got busy in life. I got busy with, you know, uh, women. (laughs) I got busy with building a company. And I forgot I had an investment. And the next thing I know, it's it's worth, you know, it probably went from like $4,000 to $20,000. Which... To me, it was a lot of money at that point, but you get the idea. It's not so much now, but it's a good, valuable lesson. Price is what you pay. Value is what you get. Try to learn how to value company. Um, I like that he uses like adult language when he's trying to not use drab jargon. Um. I think he's, he, he makes the market very human. And I fought in my head, you know, old man Buffett, I'm going to beat him when I got into investing 20 plus years ago. Uh, you know, your goal is to be, take out the best. And I, I got the internet way better than he did. And I was way better investor as far as total returns in the 90s. But you get a lot of perspective from someone who's 88 years old and has been in it for as long as he has. 
He's got a Robin. You know, like Batman has Robin. His guy is named Charlie Munger, who's got one little eye and one big eye, and it drives me insane to see to see his interviews. I'm like, he's got one really small eye and then one really big eye, and that's just me being a jerk because Charlie Munger is one of the greatest investors of all time, and he works with one the greatest investor of all time. He once said, risk comes from not knowing what you're doing. What you're doing is listen to Rob Black and your money. You're getting a little bit smarter about investing, a little bit smarter about staying in the markets, a little bit smarter about... Uh, mistakes not to make. Cut down on the mistakes and you win the game. Works in football. Works in investing as well. I'm Rob Black. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and your money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. And streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. And don't forget the weeknight replay at 7. I'm Rob Black. I don't want you to read 600-page books on investing. I'd want you to listen to a band that you like. I don't want you becoming this obsessed person with financial issues. Do your best. You know, seriously, if you look at it in a funny way, and I just like to give you the easiest examples, but let's say you make $100,000 a year at age 20. Now you're saying, that's that's a big number. I wasn't making that. Just work with me, Okay. So $100,000 a year at age 20. And let's say you're going to make $100,000 a year every single year for the next 40 years. That's $4 million, right? $1 million every 10 years. So your total palette of, of oil paint or whatever, is, is it's, it's that. If you can create 40 units or 4 million units, that's, that's your, what you're going to save. And then our, our, our world gets kind of cruel and says, oh, you can't create any more paint. You can't create any more dollars. You can't. You can't. So unless you invested that money or bought something that has other value, that's what you got. So I see a lot of people make that mistake that they don't realize, like, I'm only going to have $4 million on my, to work with of, of what's coming in. How much of that do you save? Because every month, some of that $4 million goes out, right? Sometimes it's in a car that you regret. Sometimes it's in a trip that you regret. Sometimes you might have been a little too drunky drunky and hit order, only to find out all sales were final. Oh! So one of the people I swear by is Warren Buffett. He has a net worth of over $84 billion, and he created it by investing. Now, his investing pays his income, because he's really big into the idea that a stock should pay you income. You know, the, the story of Apple and the big cash machine that they were, and maybe they still are, is that they pay you income. So even though he only made $4 million in income, he found investments that could pay him more income. And then that income from that income could go out and make baby income. Now, the coolest thing about Berkshire Hathaway is that even though he's rich, he's incredibly accessible. And even though he's rich... He, he he speaks kind of a common person's lifestyle. He's got frugal habits. He likes to go to McDonald's breakfast. He insists on using a flip phone. His home in Nebraska is worth 0.001% of his total wealth. And he never spends more than, like I said, $4 on breakfast. So he was picking stocks at the age of 11. So one of the things that he has that I like is he can make some mistakes. I met a couple last night where he goes, my 21-year-old son wants to get into Bitcoin. I'm like, let him. 
go buy them a thousand dollars of Bitcoin and a thousand dollars of shares of Disney or a thousand dollars of a share of Apple or a thousand dollars of a share of the Wilshire Five Thousand and give it to him and say, here's your two thousand dollar Christmas present, and let him learn a lesson on what Bitcoin is and isn't, and let him learn a lesson on what you know investing in shares of McDonald's is or isn't. You know, no one knows. It's it's electric currency that has no real value other than it's electric currency, which, for the record, most of this country could use that, most of this world. You know, we shouldn't be walking across deserts with no security or no real money. You know, money is important. Digital money and access to digital money, not going to go away. Should it be the dollar? Should it be Visa? Should it be PayPal? So Warren Buffett learned at a very early age, at age 10, he says, his friends were obsessed with baseball and football and following the, the teams, the home teams. He was obsessed with Wall Street. He went to the city, New York City, the real city. San Francisco is the faux city. And his dad had dinner with someone from the NYSE, New York Stock Exchange. Buffett, you know, at age 10 was like he wanted to organize his life around money. He purchased multiple shares of cities services preferred, which... Again, what do they do? Nothing fun. Water, sewage. But it's something that ha- you have to pay to get. When Buffett was a teen, he was already you know, raking in about $175 a month more than his teachers. As a teenager, he was making more than his teenagers. That's kind of cool, right? One of the greatest things about the Internet is it really – it is not – it doesn't level the playing field completely. But it's, it's a good start because I can share my message on how to invest, whether it be through radio or television or through the Internet. So by the time he was 16 years old, Warren Buffett had $53,000 saved. He did paper deliveries. He did investing. He sold golf balls. He sold stamps. He buffed cars for a living. He turned a horse track into a lucrative playground uh, of investing. He was rejected from Harvard, worthy of note. Now he's one of the richest men in the world. He said he was rejected because he was emotionally too young. So he settled on Columbia University, which is a darn fine school. Um, and one of his, his mentors was a guy who wrote the book called The Intelligent Investor, Benjamin Graham. Now, Buffett wanted to work for Benjamin Graham, but Graham rejected him. Do you know why? He was Jewish. Graham was saving a spot at his firm for someone Jewish, since at the time Jewish people had a tougher time landing work on Wall Street. So Buffett wouldn't take no for an answer. He continued pitching Graham his ideas, and he eventually Graham eventually hires him. So he was persistent. I like that. Do you understand what one of the biggest things I like in people? Persistence and loyalty. I like tenacity. So Buffett wasn't very good at public speaking, so guess what he did? He took a public speaking class, and now the world looks at him, and anytime he speaks, when he talks, we listen. So lives a very humble lifestyle to this day. He doesn't keep a computer on a desk. Do you think you need a computer to like get ahead? Do you think like it still could be done, in my opinion? You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Want the podcast with music? 
Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. I want to do a cautionary tale because I think these are sometimes the way to save you money is to prevent you from losing money. The rise and fall of Theranos, the blood testing startup that went from a rising star in Silicon Valley to facing fraud charges, um, shutting completely down, it looks like now. Now, they've, they were dealt a, a death blow. But let's go back to the beginning and talk about the idea of a Stanford student who has a new revolutionary idea, how one pinprick of blood could give insight into your genetics, into your health, into your longevity, into cancer, and it can be done at a CVS or Rite Aid or Walgreens, or it can be done in a mobile truck. It was going to revolutionize the world. Who doesn't want that? My mother has diabetes, and it's hideous. The way we treat diabetes today compared to 100 years ago is about the same. Not saying that we got the leeches. Ma Black, sit down. We're going to throw down some leeches on you. But it feels that way. Theranos star was shining bright in 2015. The company had a valuation of $9 billion with its big vision to test for a number of conditions. Its CEO, Elizabeth Holmes, was featured on the cover of business magazines of top executives. She kind of took some fashion advice from someone who knew Steve Jobs, and she started wearing black turtleneck, mock turtleneck jackets and shirts and keeping it super simple. The events leading up to the imminent downfall of the company from the huge upswing started unraveling basically not that long ago. June 2018. You saw Holmes step down as CEO of Theranos, remaining with the company as a founder and chair of the board. She was charged with wire fraud by the Department of Justice. Theranos told investors that it was shutting down. Now, this is a pretty fascinating story. And again, it's something that we all fall for. I I did the story. I talked about it on a regular basis. I went as far as to say, like, you got to see this woman. She's she's really good looking and she's super smart. And, oh, she's got a company you may want to invest in one day. And boy, did that turn out wrong for her. Elizabeth Holmes dropped out of Stanford in 2003. 2003 age of 19 to start Theranos, which was then called Real-Time Cures. Her grandfather had a medical career, and she did some interning at the Genome Institute of Singapore. Smart, smart young woman. So, early on in 2004, she's doing some uh, work with Stanford and some of the people that she went to school with. She started raising some funds. She leveraged several family connections. The first two investors in Theranos were Tim Draper. That's the father of her childhood friend and former neighbor. And Victor Palmieri, one of her father's long-term friends. And by the end of 2004, she had raised $6 million, essentially as a college dropout who had a great idea. Now, the initial design of the product was pretty cool. It was a cartridge and reader system that was dependent on microfluidics and biochemistry, which is... I don't know what microfluidics is. 
So right there, she started losing me. I'm focusing in on the, the blue eyes, the blonde hair, the young mentality that we are all attracted to. As we get older, we just want to be young, and you're like, whoa, she's got a company? Whoa. And she wanted to figure out you know, how to help firms, pharmaceutical firms, catch adverse drug reactions during clinical trials. So in 2006, November 2006, the CFO was fired. And that's one of the biggest flags that the company kind of uh, showed you. At the time, he questioned the honesty of the company and the reliability of its technology, and he was fired. Now, we could jump to the end, and I can tell you the technology didn't work. But that's for losers. So 2006, 2003, she's in college. 2004, she's raising money. 2006, she's fired the CFO. Um, in 2007, she used the premature Theranos 1.0 in a patient study with terminal cancer patients in Nashville. Theranos also said it would be suing former employees for stealing intellectual property. Kind of like, look over there, look over there. There's nothing wrong here. They developed a new prototype of their technology in 2007 named the Edison. It was a glue dispensing robot from a New Jersey company that was modified. She poached some Apple designers and put them in charge of architecting the overall look and feel of the Edison. Pretty cool robot. A person named Sunny Balwani joined Theranos in September 2009. He had known her since 2002. He had a background in software engineering business. So you start thinking, like, maybe, you know, do we believe this? Maybe we do. Maybe we don't. Maybe we do. Maybe we don't. Um, Holmes and Balwani approached Walgreens with a business proposition to run health clinics inside of Walgreens. Theranos was also pursuing a partnership with Safeway. These new partnerships were big, big sell, sales points for let's go raise more money. And... You know, she wanted to create a multiple classes of blood tests that CVS and Safeway would be able to use. So in 2012, they took over blood testing at Safeway, an employee clinic, as a beta run at a Safeway. Chief Medical Officer Safeway had concerns about the discrepancies and differences between the values given by Theranos. Safeway CEO brushed it off and retired the following year. Uh-oh, did he know? Theranos also signed a deal with Walgreens to launch its devices in-store, but continuously missed agreed-upon deadlines. And again, that's when things start to get kind of dicey. A person named Lieutenant Colonel David Shoemaker raised concerns about Theranos' regulatory strategy to the FDA in 2012 after Holmes approached him about deploying the device in the military. The Center for Medicaid and Medical Services then did a surprise inspection where Balwani told them that the device was still in development. After battling James Madison, the James Madison, who's in the Trump administration, who was on the Theranos board, Shoemaker agreed to a more limited experiment, and that would have tipped us all. And we wouldn't have been doing stories about Elizabeth Holmes. We wouldn't have been doing stories about Theranos. All while this was happening, again, it started in 2003. She's in college. By 2013, things were getting tense. You had a former scientist at Theranos commit suicide. Theranos then launched its 4S model with a new website of an op-ed piece by Holmes in the Wall Street Journal, despite protests from several of the company's scientists saying the technology was not ready. It's almost... Was she a pathological liar? Could this be that the story wasn't as good as it should be? Why do we want 
the holy grail of medicine, a pen prick, to basically determine if we need to go to the doctor or not. There's a company called Partner Funds, which purchased 5.6 million shares of Theranos at a price of 17 a share in February 2014. Theranos was valued at $9 billion. Elizabeth Holmes, who, blonde hair, blue-eyed, kind of had that uh, Marissa Meyer thing going on from Yahoo. She was worth nine. Well, the company was worth nine billion. She was worth five billion. The CEO is out for blood. The headlines kind of wrote themselves. Theranos and Holmes started gaining media attention. June 2014, it's still a beloved company. Now, it doesn't take long to figure out that we're going to jump to 2018 and the whole thing's going to be gone. But there was a Wall Street Journal investigative reporter, John Carreau. He got a tip about Theranos in early 2015. He contacted former lab director at Theranos who told him about unethical and harmful practices there. Now, at that time, the company was operating as in a ultimately limited capacity, and they had been generating false and unreliable results for patients. So they were doing HIV tests, for instance, that Holmes and Theranos would ultimately send to another company to do the actual blood test. They would get the blood, then they would send it somewhere else, and then report the results as if it were their own. So Theranos got its first FDA approval in July 2015. Scientists were starting to raise some questions about the company's technology. Shortly before Holmes was scheduled to speak at a conference, the Wall Street Journal published the first story revealing the company's struggles to develop its blood testing technology. She went on stage and appeared on TV to defend her company. And the facts were starting to come out. Long story short, by 2016, it was a problem that Sonny Balwani, who did software, was leaving the company. Charges have been filed. She's been banned from lab testing. She's still kind of wealthy for now until the lawsuits start cranking up. Anyhow, and anyway, it's one of those stories that it's a great story and you tell it so well, Forrest, but you got to stay away from story stocks sometimes or you got to do some work and see real revenues. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. If you're a Bay Area fan... A lot like myself, I grew up playing video games and wanted to move to Silicon Valley to be a computer science major, engineer, to code, to program. At one point in time, when I was younger, I was arrested for a short period of time and basically was about to be charged for hacking. I was underage, so the cop, a guy named Detective Disney, knocks on my door. And basically says, we know what you're doing. And what I was doing at that point in time was basically breaking into a satellite and getting free phone calls long distance. I was 13 or 14 years old. And uh, like, who do you need to call long distance? Back when long distance was 20 cents a minute or 15 cents a minute down to 10 cents a minute. It was kind of crazy. Now you could call anyone anywhere in the world, essentially. Unlimited, right? For, for your basic monthly plan. But a guy named Detective Disney knocked on the door. And uh, he basically said, you know, you're underage. This is super serious. Sprint's not happy. And uh, we know everything. And we want you to write down the names of 10 to 15 people that you can that also can do what you do. 
because there was a little community that shared information. And boy, did I, did I sing like a rat. <laughs> did I sing? Like, do I deserve to be under the ocean with, swimming with fishes? Yeah, I do. Because I, I was a rat. I wasn't about, I mean, this had to stop. My dad was, was, was fuming pretty heavy. But I always wanted to come to the Bay Area. And I kind of wanted to be a Mark Zuckerberg. Kind of wanted to maybe not be that level of leader, but I wanted to make video games. I thought that would be a perfect life. And uh, I love the Bay Area. And today something terrible has happened in the Bay Area. Facebook CEO Sheryl Sandberg and Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey are testifying at the Senate Intelligence Committee. And tech is under attack. And the senators left out a chair that was meant for Google CEO or founder. And when, when the committee meeting started, you'd hear, I'm the great senator from the great state of Georgia. And look, there's an empty chair. Ain't that amazing that Google didn't have time to come here and they're worth billions of dollars? And Trump's like, yeah, Google, fake news, fake news. Great googly moogly. Fake social, fake social. So the flooding's pretty rough right now for Dorsey and Sandberg. And when the Russians kind of apparently hacked the U.S. elections, Sandberg was running around talking about her book, Lean In. And Zuckerberg was on a tour of the United States. Now that I bring that up and you go, wait, wait, aren't they the top leaders of Facebook? Maybe this wanted to happen if they were focused on their product. Now, I can't, you know, defend Jack Dorsey or not. Twitter seems like the easiest one to you know, just spray paint a message on. But the sledding's pretty rough right now. And what you don't want is Google, Facebook, and Twitter basically sending their executives to get in front of the, the mighty Mr. Burr, the chairman from the great state of Arkansas. Well, they don't even have internet in Arkansas. Okay, maybe they do, but they... You know, I don't know. That Yeah, that's that's all we need. I don't need to get into trouble knocking Arkansas. I once wanted to, when I learned that I wasn't going to be a computer science major, I wanted to move to Arkansas and become a dentist. Because, let's face it, that's going to be the easiest job on the planet, right? Cleaning one tooth. Okay, we don't have teeth brushes. We have toothbrushes to brush your tooth. So lawmakers are really ornery right now, and that kind of scares me a little bit because I have a home in the Bay Area. And the last thing I want to see is Cheryl Sandberg, who I find her refreshing. But at the same time, I, I'm like, she's kind of like the golden girl of the Bay Area. And do you want your senior leadership to be transparent? Sure. Do you want your senior leadership in front of senators? No. Um, they should be doing their company. So tech is getting a bit of a sell signal because it's becoming enemy of the people. Senior leadership is taking it pretty mean, pretty harsh. Where I live, it seems like you walk down the street and it's like, oh, that person works at Facebook. Oh, that person works at Oracle. Oh, that person works at... Um, and it's interesting because like Oracle's like two miles from my home. Facebook's like five. And... I don't want to see these companies punished for personal reasons. It would hurt real estate value if they had to, like, lop off the number of people they're hiring. If there's a government, you know, oversight that's put into place, do I want them to have oversight? Personally, sure. 
Investor-wise, no. And there's a conflict with me there, right? I hope you have conflicts. Because I'm more than willing to talk about mine. I'm more than willing to tell you that I once got arrested. I never got booked. But, but the guy scared the hell out of me. And, you know, Zuckerberg's already had a five-hour marathon back in April with, you know, polished congressmen. Nevada Democrat Senator Catherine Cortez Mastro summed up the sentiment of many of her peers. Stop, apologize, and make changes. And Zuckerberg was tired, and he looked tired. So last thing I want to do is see these committees going on for a long time, investigating Facebook, Twitter, um, Google. Google's had a tough, tough year as far as regulatory action goes. Anyhow, you can find me online at robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com. The more regulation, the lower their stocks go. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money investing, and more.